Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. you right now, Lord Jesus, to touch us today. Lord, I ask you to minister, Lord Jesus, through me today, Lord Jesus, and ask in this class, Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch us and anoint us, Lord. Lord, I minister to each one that's under the sound of my voice here today, Lord Jesus, I ask you to touch them and anoint them, Lord. Lord, minister to them today, Lord Jesus. Lord, I ask you, Lord Jesus, to touch us and anoint us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Brother Toby talked about Moses leading the people into the in the wilderness. Today, I want to pick up right there, pick up in that story. And Moses stood before the people of Israel and looked out over the sea of people there. And, and as he was at this time in his life, he was 120 years old. And the scars of life bore testament to the fact that most of them years had been difficult years. You know, he he showed his life. You know, Moses he didn't have an easy life. We know him as a leader, a great leader, but there, there, been, there was some difficult years in Moses' life. He had been leading Israel for the past four decades, and the burdens of this leadership had taken a role, taken a toll on his life. God has supernaturally led the Israelites out of the Egypt and into the wilderness. He led them into the wilderness. But the people seemed to respond at every miracle and with a new fresh complaint just like us sometimes we, we are on a high one day and then the next day we're complaining about why, why we're not having the things and just like them we see the, we know this, to the story of if you're familiar with the story you know that he fed them with manna he fed them supplied them water he supplied them everything that they needed in life but it didn't take very many days before when, when you've had manna falling from heaven and just a few days later they was complaining about the, the things that God had did for their life and the things that he was doing in their life. We find that they were complaining about what God was doing. At this particular moment they were gathered, the scripture where I want to talk about, they was gathered on the plains of Moab bringing things because they were, things were about to change in their life. There were some things in their life that was finna change, and they was, at a, they was at a turning point in their life. We know in the story that the grumblers and the complainers, at this point in their time, they were all dead and buried in the desert sand. God had took, a, took the ones that had complained and, and complained and was grumbling about everything, and they had found themselves. In their place stood a new generation, ready to claim the land that God had promised Abraham. But before they crossed to the Jordan and entered into God's promises, Moses knew they needed to be reminded of how they had got to that place. You know, sometimes in life we stand at a crossroads in life and sometimes we need to stop and look back and, and see where God has brought us to. How did we get to this place in our life? How did I get to this 
this actually crossroad in my life. And there's been times in my life where I found myself standing at a place and I had to think about how did I get here? Good or bad, sometimes in life. He had been, he had been, he, he was pondered about it, the people. He wondered where they, how they got there. He had been on the far side of the wilderness in his life, tending to his father's lost sheep. He thought about, here, you know, I'd been to this crossroad before myself. And here he found this thing. He had, he had encountered an unusual sight that had changed his life 40 years earlier. God had spoken to Moses from a burning bush and had called Moses to this divine mission in his life. He had argued with God about the assignment, but he finally he obeyed God. He left the wilderness and headed to Pharaoh's place with this new drive in his life. Here he had been in a wilderness for four year, 40 years prior to his 40 years in the wilderness with the children of Israel. Here's a man that, that knew about wilderness experiences. Here's a man that when he stood before going into the promised land, that didn't get to go into the promised land, but he was, he was getting the people prepared to step into the promise. But this man had spent 80 years in a wilderness. He knew what a wilderness was about. He knew what had got him to this place. Now the people he was leading were at this similar place. The children of Israel were preparing to leave the wilderness and enter into the promised land. And as it has been for Moses, the wilderness had been a time of testing. Unfortunately, there was an entire generation had failed the test and never made it out of the wilderness. You know, we go through life and we may be in our wilderness in our life today. You may be in a wilderness place in your thing, but today that is a testing time in your life. Is how we react or how we what, we, what comes about from our testing times in our life. We can be like the children of Israel. A lot of them didn't make it out of the wilderness because they failed the test. Moses began to speak the words that echoed across the desert. He reminded the people of the failures of their fathers and how they didn't believe God and was able to be delivered out of, the, out of Canaan. How they were delivered out of Canaan but they, they failed the test. They had given to their fear of demanding the change of leadership. They wanted a change of leadership and they wanted to return back to Egypt. But if you read the rest of the story, they got neither. Here they were wanting a new leader because this leader they said wasn't doing things right or what they wanted. And then they wanted to go back to Egypt. But we know where some of these people wound up. They wound up in a grave in the desert. Moses had not fully understand it stood God's plan at the time. When he walked into Pharaoh's house, he probably didn't understand the whole entire plan God had for his life. Now he can see from the, from, has the benefit of the hindsight and the wisdom that he had accumulated from years of experiences. Moses understood God's purpose for the wilderness wanderings. Moses said, Moses said in Deuteronomy 8, he says, The Lord thy God will lead thee, lead thee these 40 years in the wilderness to humble thee and to prove thee, to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. And he humbled thee and suffered thee to hunger, and he fed thee with manna, which thou knowest not. Neither did thy fathers know that he might make thee known 
that man doth not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Lord doth man live. Here today, these children of Israel was led out of the Egypt. Here they were in these testing times in life. And sometimes we go through trials just like these, the Israelites did. We go through wilderness times in our life and, and these times are for, to humble us. Sometimes these times are to test us. See if we're really willing to step out. Step out into what God really has for us. You know, we go through time and we find ourselves like the children of Israel wandering in our wilderness. We find ourselves wondering, what, what, why am I going down this road? I've stood at, stood at times in my life when I was going through trials or going through things in my life and I wondered, why am I going through this? Why am I having to go down this road today? Why am I going through this trial? But after later, when, later like, like Moses, later when I can look back, have that experience, to look back and see what God was really doing. God was preparing me for something that I may face tomorrow. And he was preparing me for what someone else may experience in my life. And I've been, we've been through some trials. My, my wife and I have been through some trials in our life. That when we were going through it, we can, I can see no good from this. But, and I'm not saying that we went through that for just, for not. But we went through some things in life and that later in our life we was able to help others go through the same trials. And I'm not saying that was the only ways when we went through that trial, but there was times in our life when we went through things in life that at that time we thought it was to destroy us. But God was preparing us for where we could help someone else that may not have been strong enough, strong as we are, to go through that same trial. And, and they was able to, we was able to help them. And so God propels us through our wilderness times in life to do his purpose. And today, that's what I'm going to talk talking about. We find in we go back to the scripture I read where Jesus, Jesus talking about Jesus was in the wilderness. He was led into the wilderness. Jesus's lineage included a long line of prophets and preachers, whose ministries were developed in the desert. We look at first his first his his cousin John the Baptist. Also, he spent significant time in the wilderness, preparing for his ministry. John had been in the wilderness when God, the word of God came to him and spoke to him. John's time in, the, in his solitude of nature had been the precursor to his ministry that captured the attention of a nation and he earned him the displeasure of the king. We look at John the Baptist's time when he was in the wilderness. He was in that wilderness time. He was alone, but he could hear God's word speak. Sometimes we may be in a wilderness in our life and we may be in a time in life where we feel like we're all alone. We feel like, you know, we're, God has carried us, some, led us somewhere where we're not where we're supposed to be. We, we, we feel like we're all alone, but maybe God may be just trying to quieten our world to a place that we can hear what he has to say. I've had, I had an inmate here a few years ago tell me he was in prison and he said, he said, God had to bring me here to quieten my world. He said, I wouldn't listen to his, him speak to me when I was in the world. My life was too busy. My life was too, I had too much going. But God brought me here 
in this wilderness. And in this wilderness time, I was willing to listen. He broke me down to a place. He humbled me, as I said in the scripture again. He humbled me to a place that now I could listen to what he had to say for my life. I, I could, now I could understand what God was trying to say. I slow, he had to slow my world down. Had to take away some things. And sometimes in our wilderness experience, God may be carrying us to a place where he could speak to us. And just, I, don't know, I hate to jump back to the story, but I just feel like I want to say something about the children of Israel. God led them, was leading them. He led them by a cloud by day and a fire by night. And as he led them, you know, he led them up to the Red Sea. He led them to a dead-end street, a dead-end road. God was leading them. In their eyes, here he is, and they complained about this. He led them up to the Red Sea. And the, the, the Egyptians was following them, and there was a Red Sea in front of them. And God led them there. But God knew what he was doing. He knew where he was leading them. And so, and then we know, we look through the scripture, we keep reading in the story of the Israelites and we, we see where God led them to places where there was no water. And God led them to there because he wanted to show them. He wanted to have miracles in their life to a place that he showed them. So sometimes in life, you know, we may feel like God has led us to a dead end road. We may see where God has led us to a trial in our life that seems like it's gonna be the destruction of our ministry or destruction of our life. But God may be just getting us to a place where he can work, where he's the only one that can work and saying he can, he can do his will. And so we find ourselves, you know, in, in these times in life when God leads us and directs us, we must trust him. Now we go back to Jesus. Jesus, as, as John had in his time of wilderness, his ministry was sprouted out of his wilderness experiences. Now it was Jesus' turn. But it wasn't a weekend wilderness getaway. Here Jesus was called, the Bible says about, he was led into the wilderness for 40 days. This wasn't just a weekend getaway. It wasn't just a, an escape from the hustle and bustle of life. Instead, Jesus would face a fight with the adversary that would launch the most powerful ministry the world had ever witnessed. He turned temptation into triumph and in the process showed us how to do the same. The New Testament believers, we have the privilege of having God's spirit residing within us. But I'm here today to tell someone, but even having the spirit of the eternal God living on the inside of us, that does not exempt us from temptation. Jesus faced temptation, so we should prepare ourselves to face temptation. Jesus certainly knew the dangers of temptation. That's why he said in Matthew 13, he taught his followers to pray and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliverance from temptation and evil should be the subject of our everyday prayer. Every morning when we pray, we should pray, God, deliver me from temptation from the evils that come against my life today. We should pray that. It never, if we never pray about temptation, we're probably taking it not serious enough because we're all gonna face temptation. I'm here today to tell us from, from the youngest to the oldest in this congregation, we face temptations. The temptation is one thing that you never, you never graduate from. You're gonna be tempted the, the whole time. Long as you draw in breath, the enemy is gonna tempt you. Can I tell someone today, temptation is a re reality. Yeah. 
of a believer's life. Sometimes in life we feel like, well, if I get the Holy Ghost or if I pray every day, I won't have to face temptation. But today I'm telling you the reality of our life is going to be temptation. Everyone faces temptation, even included the most spiritual person you know. The most spiritual pastor, most anointed pastor that you know, they face temptations. When Paul needed an illustration of the dangers of temptation, he didn't have to look any further than the story of the children of Israel in the wilderness. Even though they were led by God's spirit and was anointed with a prophet named Moses, the Israelites still faced temptations. They did not have the internet. They did not have Hollywood. They didn't have have modern amusements to lead them astray. But I'm here today, they were still overthrown in the wilderness by temptation. Paul noted their story to record in the pages of scripture as a warning to us. He, he warned us to what, look what happened with the children of Israel. They were being led by God with a prophet named Moses that did all he did, but they still fell to temptation. Temptation is a real and it is dangerous, but we're not left to its mercy. God is faithful. Paul told his readers, he says, let me tell you something here. He says, in, in, in his faithfulness and mercy, God graciously provides an exit ramp off the highway of temptation. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way so that you can endure it. When we go through temptations, we cannot completely get away from them. And as I said, everybody's gonna face temptations. But God, if we will allow him he will give us a way that we can endure through these temptations. If we walk in the spirit as Paul commanded in Galatians 5 and 16, he says, in the spirit will show us the way out of temptations. If we follow his lead, the spirit can extract us from the dangers of temptation. He gives us strength to overcome and the wisdom to avoid compromising situations. Perhaps this is partly what Solomon had in mind when he wrote in Proverbs 22 and 3, he says, a prudent man foreseeth the evil and hideth himself, but the simple passes on and are punished. God is in his, in his mercy, can hide us from the evil that lurks in the path of temptation. But the Lord is faithful when we will establish you and guard you from the evil one. Even spirit-filled, spirit spirit-led believers has a season when they come face to face with the evil. There's times in our life, such as in case of Luke 4, when Jesus endured the 40-day test of faith in the desert. His opponent was none other than Satan himself. The serpent who had successfully brought down Adam and Eve in the garden. Satan recognizes that Jesus was the promised one. He was desperately wanting to derail Jesus' ministry before it ever even began. While Jesus went on to work very many miracles during his time on earth, one thing he did not do is he did not perform a single wonder during this desert experience. Even though Satan had challenged him, that was what the temptations was, he challenged him to do miracles. But Jesus did not do one miracle in these 40 days in the wilderness. Instead, Jesus' reply solely on a he, he solely re, relied on one weapon, and he relied on the weapon of the word of God. In doing so, Jesus gave us the perfect example for how we should overcome the greatest struggles and the temptations in our life. 
Satan knew that this, what was at stake with the showdown with Jesus. He centuries prior, he had successfully led, led Jesus' earthly ancestors astray during the journey in the wilderness. While the Bible does not blame Satan for leading Israel off the course in his, the exodus of, of Egypt, we do know the enemy of God's people and God's plan. He has been that enemy since the beginning of time. He has been the enemy of everything we face. He knows God's children had given in to temptations and forfeited God's promises. Now he was doing one of hoping to do this very same thing to Jesus. You know, Jesus, we know he is God manifested in flesh, but, but Jesus was a man just like me and you are. He had the same flesh and blood and Satan said he, and he had the same temptations that we do. So Satan was hoping hoping he could do the same thing that he had done with so many others. Same thing he did with Adam and Eve and same thing with he is so many of the children of Israel. As often as often does today, Satan cloaks his deceptions and his reasonable sounding religious language at one point even quoting scriptures. You know, Satan, during this time, he used good sounding things in life. And that's what he uses against us here today. We hear, we hear scripture and he uses script, even the scripture against us today. A few years ago, I, I had this, and talking about using scripture, and I had this, this gentleman I had faced and we was doing, I was doing a Bible study with and he would quote scriptures and all the people around him thought he was just this most religious guy they knew. He would quote, he would start a scripture and he would start it would be right in the beginning. Brother Jerry, he, he, he knows the guy. We and him both tried to, because he was at the county jail. This guy would start a scripture and you would, to listen to him, he knew enough of King James lingo that he, you would think he knew the word of God. And I'm not saying he didn't know the word of God. He knew the word of God enough to, to be dangerous. But he would start quoting a scripture and then he would go off of in the left field. To make it believe what he wanted it to believe. And some of these guys that were sitting around that did not know the word of God, these, and it was scary because they believed him. They thought he was the most godly guy they knew. But this guy was leading them astray, and I knew some of the stuff he was doing was purposely because he, he, but he had enough lingo in his, his words that, that you could, didn't know when he stopped quoting the scripture. And so today I'm here today to share that story because today the enemy does the same thing. If you don't know this word of God, if you don't have it embedded in your heart, you can be deceived because the enemy will use this word of God and then he can change. If you don't know the word, just like this here gentleman did, he would change it and go what he wanted it to say and you would believe what he had to say because he, it sounded right. It had enough these and thous in it. And so today I'm saying the enemy can use even the word of God to deceive you. When facing temptation, we cannot make decisions based on how things look or how things sound. We must be led by the Spirit. Luke 4 and 2 indicated that Jesus' temptation lasted the entire 40 days he was fasting in the wilderness. When Jesus refused to give in to the hunger, Satan tried another approach. The enemy offered Jesus the option of obtaining power and glory without the struggle. And without the struggle, what Jesus knew was, would be suffer, the suffering on the cross. Here's Satan, what Satan was wanting to do, he says, I'll give you the power and the glory. 
You ain't even got to go to this cross. That's what he was tempting him with. And you know his flesh, being Jesus, knew where he was going. Knowing what he was going to go have to go through. His flesh was probably crying out, take this offer. Take this offer. Take this temptation. But again, Jesus refused to Satan's bait. Finally, Satan questions Jesus' identity and challenged him to prove his reality, that he was really the son of God. And once again, Jesus refused to play Satan's game. After the third round of testing, the devil finally departed from him for a season. Jesus won the battle on that day. But Satan lived to fight another day. Winning the victory over temptation today does not mean the devil will not try again tomorrow. We have to be, we have must, we must remain on guard against the devil. Because today, I may fight off that temptation today. I may win the battle today, but I better be looking for tomorrow. Because the Satan's gonna throw back whatever I face today, whatever I beat today. He may, he's gonna come at it with a different angle tomorrow. He may come at it with a different, from a different direction tomorrow, but he's coming back to fight us again. Long as we draw breath, as long as he has a chance to deceive us, he's gonna come back and try, try and try again. The apostle Peter, who faced his own struggles with temptation, later wrote in 1 Peter 5, he says, be sober, be vigilant, because the adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour, who resists steadfast in the faith. Our definition of, the definition of steadfast in this scripture is a firm in belief or a determination. We gotta be determined. We're gonna face this trial. We're gonna have to be determined. We're gonna have to be, we're gonna have to be diligent in what we do. Every day we get up, we're gonna have to be ready to resist the devil. We must continue to stand strong if we want to remain victorious over this enemy. In his battles against temptation, Jesus drew inspiration from the word of God. The words proved to be the perfect antidote to Satan's deception. And it will be for us today. We can use the word of God against everything that we face. When Satan challenged Jesus to use his new supernatural powers to gratify his own desires, Jesus quoted Deuteronomy 3 and 8 and 3, he says, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word, by the word of God. Jesus overcame the second temptation, the opportunity to obtain power and glory by worshiping Satan and dispensing with the suffering of the cross by quoting Deuteronomy 6 and 13. He says, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God and serve him. Deuteronomy 10 and 20 says, thou shalt fear the Lord thy God, him shalt thou serve, and him, to him shalt thou cleave and swear by his name. Finally, when Satan challenged Jesus to prove he was the son of God by throwing himself off the pinnacle of the temple, Jesus responded with Deuteronomy 6 and 16. He says, ye shall not tempt the Lord your God. The author of Hebrews may have had the temptation narrative in mind when he wrote Hebrews 4 and 15. For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Today, I'm here to tell someone today, whatever temptation you got, this scripture says that our God, Jesus Christ, was tempted just as I am. He was tempted with the same things of the flesh that we're tempted with. 
but the Bible says yet without sin. So he gives us that example that we can go through these temptations. We can face whatever the devil throws at us and yet without sin. Jesus did not overcome temptation through an angelic intervention or from some supernatural display of power. Rather, he relied on the power of God's word, a resource available to every one of us sitting here today. Long before Jesus' temptation in the wilderness, the psalmist had taken note of the power of God's word in resisting temptation. In Psalms 119 and 11, he says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Thy New Testament writer compared God's word to a sword. It says, Nothing that is quick, noting that it is quick and powerful and sharper than two two, any two-edged sword. There's no greater weapon used in a wilderness moment. We have the word of God to fight off anything that we face. We have the word of God to fight off anything in our life that the enemy can throw at us. There's something in the word of God to face that. Knowing and obeying the scripture is the key to winning victory over the enemy. Luke made it clear that Jesus was led by the spirit into the wilderness. But when Jesus left, he returned in the power of the spirit into Galilee. You hear Luke says he was led into the spirit, led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God. But he picked up that power when he left there. And he has power to overcome. Throughout the entire ordeal, Jesus had been directed by the Spirit. And when we follow the leading of the Spirit, what our enemy intended for evil, God will use for good. If the Spirit leads us into the wilderness, we can be confident that if we continue to trust God, we will come out victorious. Satan intended to abort the Lord's ministry before it ever began. And I'm here today to tell someone that's what the Satan's plan is. Today as a young person or no matter how old you are today, if God is calling you to do something, the enemy is gonna fight that. He's gonna fight that to abort that before it ever even becomes. And instead of this period of testing and temptation in the wilderness, Destroying Jesus' ministry, it propelled propelled Jesus into his purpose and to his calling. Before this chapter was finished, those new doors of ministry had opened and Jesus performed many miracles, including healing of Simon Peter's mother-in-law. How do you know that you're being led by the Spirit? We ask that. Sometimes, you know, that's that's a question we all ask in life. You know, how do we know which way to go? Well, how do I know that this is God directed me to go down this road? How do I know if when I'm at the crossroads in my life that I'm making the right decision? Satan will always resist the person who is attempting to fulfill God's will. Our adversary will try to tempt us to take the easy road. So sometimes when it feels like everything is falling into place in our life, it may not be really falling into place. We may be taking the easy street. And I'm not saying everything has to be hard to live for God. But sometimes when, we, when things start falling into place, like, well, my finances is falling into place, and it just seems like every door is being opened. And I'm not saying God don't open doors for our life. But sometimes when it feels like it's too easy, we may need to stop and say, back up and say, check and make sure who's directing my path. We may need to stop back up and say, well, wait a minute. Things are falling into place. Not, that, not, to, not to 
to uh, not to not to not trust God in our life. Because God does open doors. And sometimes when we're in his will, it does start opening doors and things do start falling into place. But sometimes in my life, and I talk about my life, sometimes when it seems like everything's going too good, it may be there for a reason. Because I may be falling the easy street. The, the doors that the enemy is opening for my life. But if we trust God, we can turn those same tests in our life to our advantage. We can come out of the wilderness of temptation and trials stronger than we ever went in, than we was when we went in. Sometimes in life when we face trials, we face temptations, and we're going to face them in our everyday life. But God is wanting to use us sometimes. Sometimes, as I said earlier, sometimes he wanted to quieten our world to where he could speak. There's times in his life when he's, he's, he's wanting to get us alone so he can speak to us. Slow our world down, like as I said earlier. But there is times in life we're going to go through some things in life to propel, propel what God wanted to do for us in our life. Today, as we talk about this story, we, we're going to go through things in this life that, that's going to change our life. Your ministry, your ministry, develop your ministry. If you, if you look at the life of the disciples... Things didn't go just right. You know, they, they wasn't just like if you wrote it down on paper. It didn't just, everything just didn't fall in place. The persecution is what, is persecution in, the, in the beginning of the church is what spread the gospel. It's what, what flamed the revival in the beginning was trials and troubles. And so sometimes in life when we're, we're praying, God, use me. We're praying, God, pour out the revival in my life. God may be going to carry us through a wilderness to prepare us for what he wants to do for us. And so sometimes in life, you know, when we pray that prayer, God, I want to be used. You better be ready because sometimes you may be fitting to go down a road that you may run up to the dead end road at the Red Sea. You may roll up to the, the water where the water is, is bitter in your life. But as long as you keep trusting God, as long as you keep putting him first, he will make a way to go through. There's a, in, the, in the, his book, The Insanity of God, Nick Riken writes about a trip he took across China to visit Christian believers in that nation. In one city, he shared a meal with a group of evangelists and church planners who had been instrumental in China's rapid expanding house church movement. His host, a Chinese church leader, introduced him to the church leaders that was in the room. They spoke briefly to a young man who Ripken guessed to be about 25 years old. When they were out of earshot or when he, they got out of where he could not hear them, Ripken's host indicated, says, this young man, indicated the young man, pointed to the young man and whispered and said, he's going to be something, someone that God can use powerfully one day in China. But he says, the next thing he said, he says, but you cannot trust what he says now. And today, and I just want to stop right here. He was saying that because he said, not that he was a, 
liar or not like nothing like that. But he says the next statement he said was, he hasn't been to prison yet. He says Ripken soon learned that they, that most and most all veteran Chinese church leaders had spent at least some time in prison because of their faith. They had come out of their experience with much stronger relationships with the Lord. Ripken wrote, one of the house church leaders actually asked me, do you know what the prisons is for us? He said, it is how we get our theological education. And that's how they looked at this. He says, prison in China is for like seminary is for training church leaders in your country. He says, he hasn't been to prison yet. He hasn't been to the wilderness yet. So you can't trust his burden yet. You can't trust what he has for life yet because he hasn't weathered the storm yet. Some lessons cannot be learned only by, can only be learned by weathering the storms and the trials of life. If we want to be greatly used by God, we must allow him to lead us into the wilderness. Not just into the wilderness, but we must allow him to lead us through trials and through temptations and tests. He knows, he knows will prepare us for the ministry that he desires for us to fulfill. In life, you know, we go through things. We haven't been to prison yet. Sometimes we ask, well, God, I want to be do this or I want to do that for you. But we maybe not been down through the trials that God needs us to go through yet. We may not be down the road that God's wanted us to went down yet. And I'm asking today, we, we, we must allow God to lead us not only in the good times. It's easy for God just when, when everything's going right, say, you know, God is leading me and God's directing me. And, and we, we, you know, we have that when somebody says, how's it going? Everything's going great. But there's times it's not going to be great. And we still got to trust God that he's still leading us. You know, so many times when things start going wrong, we say, well, the devil's, he's tempting me. We start thinking about the devil is, this is the devil's fault. Where really it may be God is the one that's leading us. He's the one directing our path. You know, we know is the story of Job. We know Job, God allowed the enemy to take his stuff. And so many times in life, you know, the enemy, God may be allowing us or he's leading us into these temptations. He's leading us into these trials in our life. And I'm not saying everything comes from God just trying to punish us or God trying to think, but God, maybe God be trying to prepare us. Prepare us for what he wants to do for us. Today as we, in the end, we will be greater blessed, have greater blessings than others in the kingdom because of the victories we have during our times of testing. We go through things in our life we're going to be stronger. But the key to that is not just going through something, not just enduring, but we got to keep allowing God to lead us. We got to be, keep trusting God because it's easy to trust him when the good is good times, but when it's so hard when sometimes when things are start falling apart around us, we got to be like, so Joe, we can't, we got to say, I'm not charging God with this. Doesn't matter if he takes my life. I'm still going to be there. We got to be like the Hebrew children. If he, he will does this for me or if he doesn't do this for me, I'm still trusting him. 
And so today, as I begin to close, I ask us today, when we go through the wilderness times in our life, I ask us today, we gotta trust him. Trust him and put him forth because the things we're going through today is gonna prepare us for something tomorrow. As we stand across here today, I ask us today to allow God, just pray the prayer right now that God will lead us and direct us today. And, and even if we're going through the wilderness, to direct us and prepare us for what he has for us. Lord, I ask you to touch us and anoint us right now, Lord. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806. Or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.